Okay, so here I go. I'm just going to, could you just uh, uh, describe yourself? I want to know. Tell me something about you. I want to know you better now. Good morning. Hello. Hello. Uh, my name is George Omorigan. Okay. And I live in uh, Quitaron 363. Okay. And I'm a Kelly by profession. I work in Duman. And uh, I've been in this church for a couple of 10 years now. Okay. And I'll be a member. And this is my wife, Evelyn Omorigan. Well, Thank you. Stop. That's enough. <laughs> Welcome, George. Can you just stand up, George? I just say everybody knows. Now we all know George. We know a little bit about him. Been around for a while. Mechanic. Nice bloke. Married to Evelyn, who's just sat here as well. But they don't sit together. They have a chair between them. Because <laughs> they were children. So that's okay. Hey, thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. That's good. Okay, uh, young man. Would you like to just tell us about you? Uh, morning, I'm Jonathan Burns. Uh, I live in Popley. Uh, I'm originally from west of Glasgow, and I'm a scientist. Okay. So that's, that's it? That's it. Hobbies? <laughs> Enjoy going for a walk. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> okay, um, I, I'm, I'm looking for somebody who's not a bloke. And that's most definitely you. My, my thank you. <laughs> Here we go. Um, I'm forgiven. So Whoa! I suppose that's all that matters at the end of the day. But if you're really curious, my name is Jackie. I'm from South Africa. Fresh off the boat. This is my mum, Pat, and my beautiful son, Ethan. And we actually live in Newbury. Oh, my word. Yeah, we got up super early this morning. My goodness. Yeah. And that's um, me. That, that's so awesome. Welcome, by the way. Cool. That's just exciting, I'm just, just soaking this up. From Newbury. I mean, that's almost abroad. <laughs> You're very welcome. Okay, um, Rosie. Oh, sorry. Pick another name if you don't want to use Rosie. <laughs> no, Rosie will do. Okay. <laughs> Right, I'm Rosie, I live in Oakley, I'm married to Colin, um, <laughs> I like gardening, I like craft. Super. So we know a little bit more about Rosie, that's good. We're gonna, can you put up um, the sermon, otherwise I won't know where I'm going. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, is that this week's message? Oh my word. Right. Um, there's a piece of scripture in uh, John chapter 9 that um, helps us to understand a little bit more about Jesus. Now, as a church, we are traveling a journey, and you've heard this if you've come here before many times, that we're understanding who we are and why we're here. Part of the who we are and why we're here is in our strap line or our vision. It's about uh, knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. So we, as we gather together as the, the, the body of Christ, God's family, we learn about, know about, increase our knowledge and understanding of Jesus. But the thing about it is we don't do that just so that we get lots of information. We do that so that we can allow him to flow out of us into the world around us so that we become a people who know, who help people to know. That's where we're going. Is that Okay. So, knowing Jesus, making Jesus known. So, uh, over the autumn period, I think next week is our last one, we've just been looking at aspects of Jesus' life and learning... Oh, hang about, wait a minute. 
I've got a timer on my watch, okay, that's going to buzz when I should stop talking. Okay, so, so it's, it's, how long would you like? 20 minutes. Okay, I'll try and do it. Okay, fair enough. Um, just sit down. Goodness me. The chapter that we're looking at today is, um, is John chapter 9. So we, we've, we've been looking at John's gospel. The reason why I wanted to look at John's gospel specifically because John seemed to have a deeper intimacy with Jesus than any of the other disciples. He was the one who, who described himself as the one that, uh, that Jesus loved. And as he's writing, I've just got to put this in here, I'm the one that he really loved. And he also mentioned, also he's mentioned is the fact that, that he was the one, the beloved one who, who laid his head against Jesus' chest. He was, he was that intimate, he was close. And I think to myself, if I want to find out more about Jesus, I want to read the stories of the one who was most intimate with him. So John's gospel is where we found ourselves this awesome. Next week we finish with um, Jesus is the good shepherd in chapter 10 uh, of the book of John. And then we start looking at, uh, oh no, I've got a buddy coming. I've got a mate coming on the first Sunday in December who is um, a theologian bloke. That means he knows a lot of long words. And um, he's uh, at the Oxford something of apologetics centre. Oxford Centre Oxford Centre of Christian Apologetics. All I know is he's a nice bloke. But um, we were on mission in, uh, in Belgium this summer, and I got to meet him, and, and I thought, do you know what, I'd love you to meet him. So I invited him and his wife, and they're coming on the first uh, Sunday in December. So this week, Jesus... Jesus is the light of the world. That's what the verse is that I'm going to look at today. Jesus is the light of the world. This is the story of uh, Jesus healing a guy who was blind. So what we're just looking at this and we're just saying, Jesus, what are you like and what do you want us to be like? That's, that's what we're doing. So here's the story. He went along. He saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he has been uh, he's born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. That's good, isn't it? So we've got a period of time where God has given us the opportunity to shine for him. We have a a limited period of time where the light of Christ can impact those places of darkness. Here's here's quite an interesting thing. Let me just go with this one. There's a bloke who sat at the side of the road who is blind one of the things that you recognize about people who are blind is that they can't see. So there's a group of people walking by, of which Jesus is in the group, and they pass by this bloke who can't see. Notice what the guy does. Blind man, side of road, can you see what he does? Absolutely nothing. 
He doesn't do anything. He doesn't shout. He doesn't jump up and down. He doesn't holler and call. He does absolutely nothing. Yet he has a condition that needs divine intervention. I just love the way that God's helping us to see that we need to have eyes to recognize what's going on around us, that we as his children can transform those situations. The time is running out. That's what Jesus is saying. This is a period of light. And in this period of light, darkness is being banished. I'm doing it, says Jesus. You will do it also. No great razzmatazz, no shouting, no screaming. There's a guy who is blind. Everybody knew him. The reason why they knew him is he's been there a long time. The reason why he's there a long time is because he's been blind since birth. There's some questions about heredity. Is this something that's come through his family or is it something he's done? And Jesus moves on from that situation. We do recognize that sin can be uh, an impact upon our health and well-being. I certainly know people who have been set free from disease and infirmity when they move to a place of forgiveness. We'll touch on that at another time. Verse 6, having said this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Can we just take an idea about So this guy's blind, knows nothing about what's going on, and suddenly a stranger walks up to him and starts rubbing mud in his eyes. And we think that that's okay. You want to try it? You want to give it a go? You know, when somebody says that they may have an eye condition, Colin, when you're out rambling with your walkers, or Trevor, when you're out and about... Get a bit of dirt, spit on it, and offer it to those people who at the moment are wearing glasses. I don't know whether it would go down well. Well, maybe it wouldn't go down well because people can see what you're doing. But he didn't know. This guy had no idea. But Jesus spits on the ground, makes some mud with the saliva, and put it on this man's eyes. And then says this. He says, go. How does he know where? And how is he going to get there? He's blind. But Jesus says, Go. Where else have you recognized Jesus saying the word go? You see, because if a blind man can be told to go, when we come to Matthew 28 and Jesus says in the Great Commission, therefore go, we don't have an excuse, do we? In John 9, Jesus says, go to a blind man, and he gets up and goes to us who can see, and the disciples, when he says go, let's not make excuses, let's get on with it. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of uh, Siloam, which means scent. So he gets sent to the pool of scent. That's quite cool. So he gets sent to the pool of scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. I wonder if he had any idea that that's what's going to happen. I don't know if he realized too that. Well, we read on. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same bloke who used to sit and beg? Some said it was, but do you see what others said? They said, uh, no, he only looks like him. <laughs> How about that then? 
How about that when we have a fresh encounter with the power of God, when we have a relationship meeting, as it were, something changes. We're not the same as we were. I remember many people who have said, you know, the moment that I came to Christ, God got hold of my tongue. The language that I used to use is not the language that I use anymore. I don't swear and use curse words or, or whatever. I, I actually, my attitude has changed. I am more thankful, grateful. I'm more uh, uh, pleasant, personable. I am generous and, and kind. I might even start to recognize that I am of great value because God says that I'm worth dying for. And therefore, I start to look after myself as one who is prized and as of infinite value. So this guy goes, everybody knows he's the blind guy, and then he comes back and he's different. Why is he different? Well, because now, instead of shuffling along with his hands out, needing to be guided, he is now standing up straight, he is walking, he is proud, and there's probably joy in his life. He's seeing things that he's never seen before. The Word of God says that he's been blind since birth, and now the streets where he's been living are places that he is seeing for the first time. He recognizes a neighbor's voice, but he doesn't recognize their face because he's never seen them before. But now he's seen them. And his response and how he's connecting with people is so different to the way that he was. Even people who've known him all their lives are turning around and says, I don't think it's him. He looks like him, but I don't think it's him. Here's a challenge, isn't it? When you came to Christ, have you stayed the same or have you been transformed? When you came into a relationship with the living God, have you continued in the way that you were? Or has God led you to be a different you? Maybe the you that he originally created you to be. Something's different about this guy because some people recognize him, some people didn't. Some said he claimed he was, others says no, he only looks like him. But he himself says, I'm him! Look at me, it's me! It, it's me! Then they ask the question. Okay then, if it's you, then how, how, how did your eyes get opened? I love it, this is beautiful. He goes... <laughs> A bloke called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to scent. I was sent to scent and to wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. <laughs> where is this man? Well, they're asking a bloke who was blind where the guy was who's healed him. You know, where is he? And I just, I just do you know what? I've got a clue. I don't know where he is. The story goes on. It's, it's brilliant as it, as it unpacks. But I just wanted to pick up on the fact that when Jesus touches us, the desire he has in his heart towards us is for total transformation. A phrase I've used before, if you is what you was, then you ain't. If you are the same today 
as you were before your encounter with Jesus, then I would question your encounter with Jesus. You see, the Word of God reminds us that with an an encounter with him, we become something called a, a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Light has come into our lives. And we are called, just as I was trying to explain to the children this morning, we're called not to be hiders, but to be shiners. You see, I recognize that the world around us really want to see Jesus. This guy who has an encounter and finds his sight back, his desire, it's, uh, do you know what, I'd really love to meet Jesus. And as you read the story on later, you'll find out that that encounter happens. But I recognize the people around us want to see Jesus. And there may be some even in here today who would really love to see Jesus. I want to see the Jesus who picks out people who everybody else sidelines. I want to have an encounter with the Jesus who touches and transforms. I want to have uh, a meeting with the one who, even though he knows me better than I know myself, he forgives me and restores me and builds me up. I, I, I want to see Jesus. This coming Wednesday, my excuse, this is a good opportunity, isn't it? Um, Carol and I booked a uh, short break in York. So tomorrow, Carol and I are driving off up to York. We wanted to see York Minster. We've never been up to York and seen York Minster. We've later found out that York Minster this week happens to be closed because all of the universities in York are using it for their graduation ceremonies. So we're not even going to see the Minster this week. So think of us as we just wander around the outside, desiring to be inside but not allowed. But the thing about it is, is we're not here this week when you're having a church meeting. Members of Bainstoke Baptist Church, you're having a church meeting. And there's some stuff on the agenda that I I just think is absolutely mind-blowing. But the stuff on the agenda is all about helping the world to see Jesus. There's two things that are a problem, I find, with the church. And the two things are very simple. Number one, people outside the church have got no idea that we're here. You go walk across the road and talk to people about Basingstoke Baptist Church, and I have done this, and people don't even know where we are. Just across the road. And I know you do, Debbie, because you come here, and I'm glad you do. But most people have got no idea we're here, or what we do, or what goes on. So there's this one, number one side of things is that people outside don't know we're here, and what we're about. But here's the other one, which is a little bit more disturbing. The people that inside most churches don't want to tell people outside either. So here's the deal. That we are going to be a people who love sharing with the world around us the Jesus that we know. So we're traveling a journey. We're traveling a journey where we're being built up, empowered, that we would shine in the community around us. And we're going to work it ways. We've looked, we're looking at logos and branding. All that's going to come up at the church meeting. And we're taking investment. It's going to cost you money. Gosh, it's going to cost you money. But tell me something that doesn't cost money. And actually, we're talking about something that's probably the most important thing in the world, is that we could help people come into a living relationship with a God who created them. So we're investing so there's branding and stuff that you'll look at on, on Wednesday, which you're, I hope you're going to get excited about. There's stuff going on. There's uh, uh, the facilities here. 
There's a phrase that's come so many times about, let's build um, an irresistible environment. Our desire is not to build for us. Our desire is to build for those who aren't yet in here. So if you can look around in here and say, well, this is okay, then you just need to remember it isn't about you. It's about those who are yet to come in and encounter God. We want to build an irresistible environment right in this place where people can come and have an encounter with Jesus, be built up in their relationship with him, and then go out and share him in the world around So we're updating things, we're changing some things, and one of the things that uh, I always remember being told was the moment that you start asking the question, what needs to be updated and changed, then the money figures start to whir. But that's okay, because we worship the God who owns uh, the cattle on a thousand hills, that's in the Bible, and not only does he own the cattle on a thousand hills, he owns the hills as well, I, I think that's pretty awesome. And I have yet to find uh, a situation where following God's leading, you want for anything. You see, our God is a generous God. And if our heart's desire is to show a world Jesus, then I cannot see in any way there will be a problem in resources being released and flowing through us. So we're talking about, uh, let's make sure people know we're here and what we're about. Let's make sure that when people come here, what they come to is attractive and comfortable. And it's a safe place to hear a dangerous message. And it's not just about walls and floors and lights. I mean, we've got lights that keep going out because the bulb's gone. This all needs updating. It's not just about that. It's about you as well. Can I just say that you've got to be nicer? Can I just put it out there? Because if you come and go without talking to anyone, what's the point? What's the point? It's about encountering Christ in us. And here's the other thing is, which, I, which we're going to talk about. Which <laughs> I love spending your money. Um, Christmas. On our agenda is Christmas. And we're talking about a live nativity. We have animals. We have animals. We've got advertising going out, invitations going out, and and we're having a live nativity, and we've got the Salvation Army band, and they're coming to play for us so that we can sing carols to a type noise rather than a guitar. And we are desiring that the community around us would find themselves over here hearing the true story of Christmas. But here's the deal. It's okay spending money and sorting out activities that we've never done before or something a little bit different. But if you don't bring people, it's a waste of time. So when we see, let me just say, when we vote and we agree, let's go for the branding because this is a good thing to do, then what you're saying is, I'm not voting for branding. What I'm voting for is that the world might see Jesus. When I put my hand up and say we're going to go for the refurbishments and we're going to invest in this facility, it's not that we're investing in the facility. We are investing in the next people who don't know Jesus, who are going to come into this place, are going to meet him and have their lives transformed. That's what we're praying about. That's what we're investing in. And when we're saying, let's do a live nativity, let's do something different here at Christmas, what we're saying is, I am wholeheartedly investing myself in this community because I believe that the people around us are worth my sacrifice that they might meet Jesus. Isn't that cool? Do you know what? I'm going to be away in York 
praying for you guys that you will see Jesus in a refreshing way come Wednesday and recognize that God is laying before us an opportunity to go. Go. Go and make a difference for me. There's a a question that that some people say is, you know, well, how are we going to see Jesus? Well, this is the way you can see Jesus because you are the body of Christ. This is what Paul says. You are the body of Christ. People are going to meet Jesus in you and through you. As you are filled with his Holy Spirit, as you live out your life moment by moment for his glory, people will see Jesus in you. The blind guy is walking back, having washed his eyes from the mud, and people are saying, is this him? Is it, is it him? He looked similar to the guy that you said. But he stands and has a stature and a sense of awe around him because he's encountered Jesus and Jesus has changed his life. As we live out moment by moment as the body of Christ, our relationship with him, we share him with the world around us. Can I just say you are the body of Christ? If you are part of God's family, if you've given your life to Jesus, you are the body of Christ. You may be the encounter with Christ that the world is calling out for. And here's something else. This is what happens at our church meetings. At our church meetings, we all gather together, and what we do is we look for the mind of Christ. Lord, what are you saying to us? How are you leading us and guiding us, molding us and shaping us? But this is what Paul reminds us. He says, you have the mind of Christ. So when you gather together this week, we'll start holidaying up in York, outside the minster that I'm not allowed to go into. The mind of Christ is gathering here. The body of Christ is gathering here. And being able to look and see, God, what have you got in store for us and this community for your honor and your glory? And listen to this. Jesus says, doesn't he, in John chapter 9, and and he's talking to the disciples and he says, there's a period of time. This is called the light period of time. Darkness is coming, but at the moment this is a light period of time. And Jesus says this. He says, I am the light of the world. But look at what he says. In Matthew chapter 5, he says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You're not an LED that has to be warmed up. You are a spotlight. You radiate. Jesus goes on to say, doesn't he, that, you know, you you don't set a light on a hill and then put it under a bowl. He says, you shine. And the thing about it is, we are cautious about shining to that point in time when we recognize who we're shining for. It's not about me, it's about him. I don't care what you say about me. I just want to introduce you to Jesus. I'm shining for Jesus. You're the body of Christ. Can I just say that to you this morning? Can I just remind you, you are the body of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You are the light of the world. And we're moving towards... Oh, my alarm's going off. Oh, I'll stop that then. You can't hear it. I can feel it, though. Body of Christ, mind of Christ, light of the world. A couple of things to say. Bikes and barricades... Carol and I just drove over to the Netherlands uh, the other day and drove back yesterday. Um, can I just say that to be in a city 
where most people travel around on bikes, it's amazing. Going around, and there are bikes absolutely everywhere. Bikes have the right of way, bikes go here, go there, and there are places, and I think to myself, if you park your bike there, how are you going to find it again? Because they all look the same. And I thought to myself, in our crowded, traffic-filled cities and towns today, wouldn't it be amazing if we could just say, hey, now let's take the model from the Netherlands, let's go bikes. Well, the thing about it is, change will be very, very difficult. The culture of biking everywhere in the Netherlands is in ground, and it's part of the way the people in that community are and live. For us to take that on board, my goodness me, some people would be extremely upset. The whole phrase, on your bike. Get on your bike. For us to take that on board, what a massive change there would have to be in our society. What a massive change. And the thing about it is, people hate change. This is yesterday. We're traveling back from the Netherlands. We're driving along. We're going past Dunkirk. We get diverted through uh, uh, the, city, the, the town of Dunkirk. And, um, and there's people protesting. The reason why they're protesting is because the, there's a, a taxation coming in, specifically on diesel-powered uh, vehicles. And, and it's a, an increased tax on the fuel. Because France wants to stop people using diesel cars. And if we can help people to make that decision, then we've got to... The best way to do it is hit them in the pockets. And therefore, thousands of people were out yesterday, and we got stuck behind these barricades and, and, and people on the streets setting light to tyres. The whole thing is about cutting emissions, yet they're setting fire to tyres. France. <laughs> the thing about it is, there will be a point in time in the future when we are on electric vehicles, when we're not using fossil fuels, and we will look back and say, how did we allow ourselves to burn the stuff that we did? But the culture change is going to be fought and resisted. But it will happen. And around us, we might find that there is resistance to the good news of Jesus. But the thing about it is, we will overcome. Change, even within the local church, sometimes people resist it. But it's going to come because we can't stay the same. We definitely can't stay the same. Unless if you wanted to change our nation to be a nation that rides bikes, my goodness, that would be difficult. If you want to change a nation like France to stop using diesel fuel, it's going to be difficult, but it's going to happen. And if we want to change a church to be more outward looking and impacting the community, there may be resistance, but it's definitely going to happen. My closing thought. If you want to find out where you came from, you can do a little test. If you want to find out whether, you might think to yourself, oh, I'm British through and through, but then you can do this test and find out that that you're 60% Egyptian, 25% Afghanistani, and 10% something else. Or you can find out if you spend, this is 49 quid, Or you can spend 199 quid and have the full set of tests done. 
And the full set of tests not only tell you your heritage, where you come from, your ancestry, where, what's your, your, your connections in the world in which we live, but it also tell you health things, what you are more prone to, what your genes say that you are maybe more likely to uh, pick up or, or inherit or stuff that you've inherited. There's all sorts of things. And therefore, if you know these facts, you can think to yourself, like I look at it and think, oh, okay, that's telling me that I need to avoid Brussels sprouts. Okay. That sounds like a good thing to do. It's there in my chromosomes. But here's the deal. There's 23 pairs of chromosomes in each of our cells. Each of these have DNA, which tell us who we are. To get the results from an organization, there are others. This is not an advert. I don't have shares in this company. There are other DNA testing uh, companies around there. But to get the results, you see that little file thing on the right-hand side? You have to spit in it. Loads of saliva. You have to fill it up to the mark with saliva. Then you put the lid on tightly and then the special envelope that you're sent, you then send it back in the post. Oh, spit in the post. But you have to send it back to them in the post. They analyze it and then they send you the results. In Genesis 2, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Jesus took the absolute pure, unadulterated and undefiled spit from his mouth and spat onto the dirt of the ground and made a clay. And there is a clay in his hand being mixed. Pure, perfect God spit. Nothing impure. And he goes back to a time at the very, very beginning when God created us from dust. He takes the dust of the ground and he puts his perfect saliva and mixes it together. And he places it on a man's eyes. You see, when the body of Christ starts to impact a world around us, transformation happens. Blindness was not part of the plan. And with the pure spit of God and the dirt from the ground, a mask is made that takes everything back to how it should be. As the body of Christ right here in Brighton Hill at this moment in time, as those who have the mind of Christ right here, right now in Brighton Hill, as those who are the light of the world right here, right now, we have a challenge from God Will you take who we are and would you transform the world around you to be the way that it's meant to be? Do you know, around me, I meet people who are struggling with debt. I meet people who are struggling with disease. I meet people whose relationships with even family members as well as neighbors are dysfunctional and disastrous. Yet we are called to be those who come with the light of Christ, the mind of Christ, as the body of Christ, to bring about transformation. And I want to just say that God believes in you. You can do it. He takes spit. 
That which carries the pure DNA of God himself, adds it to the dirt, that which was used first of all to create us and form us, and places them on a man's eyes to take him back to the place that he was always meant to be, able to see. I believe God would say to you today, we are on the edge of encountering our community in a way you've never done before. Will you go? I'm sending you, he says. Will you go? Will you go as the body? Will you go with my mind? Will you take the light? I don't recommend spitting and putting stuff on people's faces unless God tells you to, because sometimes God tells you to do some weird stuff. But you'll know that he's telling you because you know his voice. The Bible says, doesn't it, the sheep know his voice. So here's the challenge. Knowing Jesus, making Jesus known. Today it's about being his body with his mind, taking the light, transforming situations for his honor and glory. And we're right on the edge. My, am I excited. Let's stand together.